Hi there and welcome to episode 46 of the Smart English Coach podcast, the podcast which helps you get to advanced English level fast. My guest today is Fabienne. Fabienne is an English and a French teacher. Welcome Fabienne. Hello Claire, thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast. So indeed I am an English and French teacher. I live in the western part of France in the Loire country region, not far from two towns, Le Mans and Rennes. Le Mans is in Normandy and Rennes is in Brittany. My department is called the Mayenne. It is an agricultural department and the ideal holiday place if you want to relax, to stroll along the river, go running. And it's also a very good place to live because uh, there is very low unemployment and good quality food. But uh, this is not the point of our podcast. (laughs) It sounds lovely, (laughs) Fabienne. So tell me a little bit about your work then. So you're both an English and a French teacher. Yes. So uh, I just wanted to add that I was born in Belgium and studied in Brussels. Uh, and you probably know that there are three languages spoken in Belgium, mm-hmm. French, Flemish and German. So English was and still is a friendly way to communicate between the people from different cultures. So they, I think that was my first interest when I, when I was a student. I got interested in English because I thought it was fantastic to be able to speak to people, German-speaking people or Flemish-speaking people. So I have a question about that, Fabienne. So when a French speaker in Belgium meets a Dutch speaker in Belgium, would they automatically use English as their language of communication? Well, hopefully some people are perfect bilingual and so they can uh, speak to each other. But generally speaking, this is not the case. When it comes to business or, for example, to the European Parliament in Brussels, the first language spoken is English. I see. Yeah. And in some parts, uh, people are not really well educated. So, for example, uh, French-speaking people can't speak Flemish at all and Mm -hmm. the other way around. Mm -hmm. So a a big problem as well between the people. Ah, okay. So then your first interest in English was being able to speak to not just French speakers, but also uh, Dutch speakers and German speakers through English. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think people like English, generally Mm. speaking. So this is um, different from France, for example, where people find it very difficult to learn English at schools. Sometimes it's not ideal, but I think now... The way uh, the teachers speak at schools in France um, is much better because there are many more resources and it's more yeah. varied. But um, before, when people used only books and grammar, uh, the French had a different mindset uh, compared to the Belgian people. Right. So can we talk a little bit about your work as a teacher, Fabienne? Can mm-hmm. you talk to us a little bit about the challenges and the rewards of being an English teacher in France? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, after my studies, uh, I decided to join my future husband, who was working as a vet in France. 
I looked at the map and I said, okay, I'm going to, to quit my job. I was traveling a lot before I met him. Yeah, that's why also I discovered the magic of learning a foreign language. For example, mm-hmm. I went to Argentina for six months wow. and I learned Spanish from scratch. And I thought that was just fantastic. So I then I went to London as an au pair to improve my English. And then I went to university well, to, to become more fluent. I discovered that I could speak, but that was all. <laughs> I had a lot to learn, in fact. <laughs> So um, since I started living in France, I've been running English classes for quite a long time now to French people, kids, teenagers, adults in schools, associations from home and online, generally to beginners or intermediate levels. Mm -hmm. And I also teach FLEUR, French to international students. So this is different because this is practical French uh, for people who are newly arrived in France. Right. But it could be Dutch, English, Italian, Romanian, and more recently, Ukrainian students. Right. And to get back to your question, how I use English in my work, I use English as a way to communicate in a safe and pleasant environment. So talking first about your experiences teaching English to French people, what would you say are the biggest problems that French speakers have with English? Well, I would say first that it's about the mindset. Uh, most of them were in big classes, 30 people. Perhaps they had good teachers. Well, it depends on the teachers. I don't want to mm. criticize them. But most of them had a bad experience. That's interesting. Yeah. And also, I would say the second big difficulty is the pronunciation. Right. Any any particular pronunciation aspect of English? Uh, well, for example, I have a little joke with a friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> it was springtime and I said, now it's time for me to mow the lawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, oh, dear. And I couldn't even hear the difference between ask for a loan at the bank. Right. So the loan, for example, you see. So that's what that's very complicated. The O sound, I think, and the O sound, for example. Uh, and also it's a bit different from the, the French O. Yes. And the stresses are completely different as well. We don't have so many stresses, I think, in French. The intonation as well. Yeah. I think it's the opposite. Yes, it's interesting what you say about the pronunciation and that sometimes it's the individual sounds like O and OR, but then often it's more advanced features of pronunciation like the stress and intonation. So now I'm interested to ask you about the difficulties that international students have with French. Are they similar to the difficulties that French speakers might have with English? Aha, that's a good question. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I would say some of them have a kind of uh, blockage. Mm -hmm. They they think, oh, I will never be able to speak perfect French. Mm. And I don't think there is such a thing like perfect French. Mm. (laughs) Everybody makes mistakes. Like Like in English as well. Yeah, 
well, when I try to organize uh, practical exercises and games and then uh, blocks of phrases and then they become more and more confident yeah. with the language. Yeah, because you also have these blocks of phrases in French. I call them fluency phrases in English, but it's the same thing in French as well, isn't it? It's like if you want to um, ask a question, you can often just start with esque. And that esque is is the, the beginning of a question. And exactly. I think all languages exactly. have these these fluency phrases which help you to start your sentences so now I'd like to ask you a little bit about your experience as an English learner as well, because obviously, Fabienne, you are a super advanced speaker of English. <laughs> and I'd like to ask you how you got to this level. What sort of methods did you use to get to advanced level? Uh-huh. Uh, when I started university in Brussels, it's a bit strange to say, but I really liked grammar. Mm-hmm. Because I think uh, it was like a toolbox. Yeah. Before nobody had explained, I don't know, for example, the present simple about routines and the present continuous, how it works and the words you should use and uh, in which situation you tr- you should use one or one of the two tenses. And then the lessons given were very interesting and practical as uh, we had a rule and then we have practical exercises and even repetition. Mm -hmm. Lots of similar sentences with gaps to fill in, for example. And well, at the end of the 90s, we only had a language lab once a week. Not so many opportunities like now. We have so many opportunities. It's just fantastic. But before, we didn't have so many opportunities to speak or listen to, even listen to English-speaking programs or films. And I really liked uh, the way uh, the lessons were taught. I thought was really valuable. And then I think you asked me what I did to get to an advanced level. Well, when I was in France, I was sort of isolated from English, but I, I had to teach it. So I tried to expose myself as much as I could to English. Um, so I met, for example, English people who lived locally, and um, I became more and more self-confident, even and perhaps because they didn't correct my mistakes, mm-hmm. which I spoke, and that was great. And then I have always loved words. I have always read books or magazines. I tried also to listen to or to watch films or series in their original version with French subtitles, because my fr- my husband didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I, I'm by myself, of course, I, I would only recommend uh, English subtitles. It's be- it's much better. But if you can't, if you are with a, your family, well, it's at least you get acquainted to the sound of the yes. language. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that, you know, when you're watching a film or a TV series with somebody else, of course, you should have the subtitles if that person doesn't understand the English. It's supposed to be something that you enjoy. And, you know, you're sharing a film with your with your partner or your family. You have a good point there. In fact, you've done a lot then to get to your advanced level. So the the first things you said is to have a good basis, to have 
a good understanding of grammar mm. and at least that you know the main rules but then after that it's as you said it's being exposed to as much English as possible so mm. taking every opportunity to speak English and taking every opportunity to listen to English or to watch English films but then also reading because of course that's great for your vocabulary development yeah and presently there are so many uh, valuable resources yeah. on, the, on the web um, that's very true i can speak about your uh, your methods advanced vocabulary or advanced pronunciation they inspire me oh and i'm I, glad to hear that I do. and and now i have used a couple of exercises with my students too and, and did they also, work well it did and i think uh, for example pronunciation is um, just have to repeat the words. Yeah. So that's kind of relaxing as well. And then you check the spelling and you compare the difference between the spelling and the pronunciation, and that's interesting. And then if you wish, you can uh, also look up the word in the dictionary to check what it means or, uh, and learn more vocabulary. So I think it's particularly worthwhile doing that. Yes, and I think pronunciation is a, a physical thing, isn't it? So everyone is capable of making the sounds, but it's knowing where the sounds are made in your mouth and the muscles that you use. Um, and But then also, I think the difficult thing with English pronunciation, as you mentioned, is that there are so many ways to spell one particular sound. So of course it can be really confusing. Yeah, this is definitely a big, a big challenge. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. So going back to the question then about the methods that work and the methods that didn't work, is there anything that you tried to learn English which didn't work for you? Perhaps I have wasted my time, but uh, I'm not so sure because, I, for example, mm. I have uh, spent a lot of time reading novels and then um, to, looked up the words in the dictionary, which was... A bit spoiling a bit the pleasure of reading yeah. the story or but uh, but on the other hand I think I have more and more vocabulary because of yes. that so but it's a choice sometimes if you don't want to spoil it just go on and read the story and just understand the gist and I think that's an excellent point Fabian because if you keep stopping your reading to look up words then that can get frustrating and in fact you can understand quite a lot without knowing every single word yes, that's right so what do you think has been your biggest challenge with learning English Fabienne uh, as a young girl I think I I was a bit uh, self-aware too much and at school and I didn't dare to speak and I thought I would be ridiculous Mm. That was perhaps my first challenge. And then when I went abroad, I people were pleased just yes. because I, I I said something and I was trying to to tell them what I what I wanted or yeah. <laughs> have a conversation and and I discovered something different. Yes, exactly. So when you first start speaking in English, it can feel quite scary. But then the more you do it and the more occasions you give yourself to speak English the easier it becomes and and your confidence grows. Yes, that's a circle. Yeah, of course, yes, the, the virtuous circle, yes. So is there a time, Fabienne, that when you surprise yourself at how much English you knew? Well, twice I have thought about it. Uh, once when I was uh, teaching in a classroom and the headmaster came to check 
what I was doing. And I completely forgot that he was there. <laughs> <laughs> you ignored <Yeah>. him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he asked, uh, he asked me if I didn't mind having his niece in my classroom. And I said, Ooh. no problem. <laughs> she can come. <laughs> she can attend my classroom. So I think I just felt useful and happy to do the job and mm. present to my mm. job. And I forgot that he was there to check on me. <laughs> and the second time uh, is recently be uh, because I started uh, the experience with uh, Kera, you know, Kera's films. Yes, the movie I, club. Movie club. And I um, have watched two films uh, by Clint Eastwood. Mm. And I, I surprised myself at how much I understood. Oh, excellent. And I was really happy about that and I, I think it's because of what I have done before huh? not not the films that that's the result but what what I have done before like so much listening yeah oh that's fantastic and these moments when you surprise yourself I think are lovely because they give you extra motivation to keep going with English they do yes so my final question then, Fabienne, is what's your best advice for continuing to make progress in English? Okay, well, I would tell the people you need to be exposed as often as possible to the language. So try to take the opportunities to meet English-speaking people. And if you really want to become more fluent, try to join a local training course or a fantastic club like the English Fluency Club. <laughs> Thank on, you. On the, <laughs> online, preferably with a coach. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to have a coach and be persistent, and, but uh, be kind to yourself as well. And if you want to have a little break, why not? Doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. And be happy with uh, your improvements, little by little, steps by steps. That's that, what I say. That is great advice. Yes, and I love that idea of being able to take breaks. I think that's important. And also to be satisfied with your own progress. As you said, you know, every step that you take should give you more confidence. Thank you so much, Fabienne. I think your experiences are really inspiring to other people. And I hope that they motivate everyone to keep going with English. Thank you so much, Fabienne, for coming onto the podcast. Thank you, Claire, for inviting me. Bye-bye for now. <laughs> and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review or a rating in your app. Speak soon!